0: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Ezra Lip Hour, more or less. As always, with you, your host today, Ezra Lip, Uh, completely. I'm very excited to be back here again. Thank you so much for tuning in. We have a great guest today. Please welcome the amazing Jennifer Hartswick.
1: My advice is to just completely block out what anybody else thinks about you which is much harder than it used to be but it's so important like you are the answer to everything you're the answer to everything in your life you already know the answer you'll figure it out it's gonna be hard prepare yourself for not being perfect any of the time
0: and we will be hearing much more from jen in a moment but first just a few things I would love it if you would send your feedback to me. Uh, people that have been doing it, it's extremely valuable. Just let me know what you think of the show, anything. I'd also, I'm extremely interested in hearing what guests you might want to see me have on the show. I, of course, have my own list of, uh, of my, my dream guests that I'm slowly um, going down. But I would love to get some other perspectives. So if there's someone you want me to try to talk to, please let me know. You can reach out. Uh, send me an email, the Ezra Lip hour at gmail. You could reach out to me on Facebook through my website. I'm very easy to find. So just, just say hello. Let me know you're out there. And while you're doing that, I would really appreciate it if you would leave a rating or a review on iTunes, uh, now called Apple Podcasts, because it really helps. It will help people find the show. It will help uh, the show come up higher when you search for this kind of thing, and I'd love to try to turn as many people onto this as possible. Um, so, so please, please do that if you haven't done so already. You could do it from your phone. You can do it from your computer. It's, it's, uh, yeah. Just go to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher if you're listening there, and leave a review. It would, it would mean the world. Also, I have a mailing list which you can find uh, on my website. Or I will also put a link on today's show notes because I would love it um, if you wanted to sign up. I send out about a couple times a month emails talking about the latest podcast episodes as well as the dates that I will be doing as freelancing as well as with my band Magic and the Other. Right now it's kind of all together. Might be shoot out into different streams at some point. But for now, I would love it if you wanted to sign up and stay in touch. So please, uh, please do that as well. Anyway... Got a big week ahead. Bracing myself to be schlepping all around Northern California, starting tonight, um, playing with with Phil and friends over in Terrapin Crossroads, and doing a run with Live Dead 69 this week, all the way up to um, Arcata and Sacramento, Fresno, Mill Valley, playing with Lebo and friends in in Tahoe, and Stu Allen at the Petaluma Music Festival. So I've got a busy week ahead. Very excited for that. Starting starting tonight. So I hope to see you at uh, some of those shows. If you're in the, the Bay Area, please say hello. Uh, I love it when you do. So my guest today is a powerhouse. If you're not familiar with her, she has been playing in the Train Astasio Band for the better part of the last two decades. She joined when she was a uh, just a, a burgeoning teenager, uh, of eighteen and has made a career for herself since then that has surpassed most musicians' dreams um not only leading her own band collaborating and recording on her most recent record, which will be out this spring with the amazing contemporary jazz bass player Christian mcbride, but um being a guest uh with with bands ranging from Humphreys McGee, Fish, Soul Live, Incidental Animals, The Nth Power, The Motet, Anders Osborne. It's kind of silly for me to even list any of these bands because she's really played with just about every band. So I'm leaving out about 300 bands uh, in the short list. So I, I might as well just stop there. But she's all over the scene and well deserved because she's an incredible musician, an incredible vocalist, an incredible trumpet player. And I uh, have had the the pleasure of just playing a few times with my guests today um, on some festival stages. I would love to do more playing in the future, but the spirit, the energy, the enthusiasm and the the skill and musicianship she brings is truly unparalleled and we're very happy to have her. And I was very appreciative and grateful to speak with her and uh, I think you're really gonna enjoy some of the things we get into in this conversation. But without further ado, please welcome Jennifer Hartswick. Jen Hartswick, how often do you, uh, do, you do these things? Interviews. Which things? Like interviews? Po- Podcasts and interviews. And...
1: Um, pretty infrequently. Yeah. I just did one a couple months ago. Um,
0: do you do you generally enjoy <laughs> being interviewed?
1: <laughs> uh, it depends on who's interviewing me. Okay. And if they're cool or jerk face.
0: Sure. Fair enough. Which,
1: you know, I think you know which category you fall under or else we wouldn't be chatting right now.
0: JF. Yep. <laughs> jerk face no uh <laughs> and uh and and you are in your home in nashville i presume i
1: am in my home in nashville
0: how how's how so how long how long has it been since you've been there
1: i've been here for four years okay yeah. and
0: it's uh and you're 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 staying it's it's a good fit I'm
1: staying i really love it um i've never wanted to like actually put down roots somewhere before until now mm. um i really love it awesome yeah we're gonna stay if, if they'll have us
0: we'll stay right, right.
1: <laughs> no one's kicked us out yet
0: and are you um are you at all involved in like kind of the session work stuff um over there yeah. or, or are you just mostly I am doing a little road? bit
1: i'm i'm on the road so much it's hard to um there's so many people who wouldn't know that I'm here, you know, right. um, right. because I'm here so infrequently. And when I do come home, I turn into sort of a hermit because I only have one day home or two days home and going out doesn't seem like appealing to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so the last two nights I could, uh, in four years, I think I've played five gigs in Nashville and two of them were this weekend. So <laughs> wow, just, I'm just not really out. Um, and I got last night. I got a lot of like, who are you, and are you recently relocated? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, you know, yes, I guess so.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna set up a little context, and um, and and then I'll I'll kind of hand it up to you, but okay. um, so you've you've been in this uh, in this music business for i want to say what roughly like 20 years now probably yeah, playing professionally yeah. yeah and um you are quite you are quite ubiquitous as as far as being on um being on uh the scene of all different uh you know uh, obviously the jam scene and soul and jazz i mean you kind of new orleans you, you kind of play run the gamut of of uh of live music um possibilities and um, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, you know, so probably about that time, twenty years ago, you grew up in Vermont, you were playing music, doing musical theater. Um mm-hmm. you uh befriended Trey Anastasio through uh his then um longtime associate and, and horn player Dave Grippo. And uh I think you went to music school for a little bit in New York, didn't work out, and then you quit school and then you're about to, uh, 10 minutes after you quit school, you're, you're packing up your car and you literally get a call from Trey who says, hey, uh, I'm going on the road with my new band. Do you want to be in the band? Do you want to go on the road? is, is, there, is that sound? That's is 100% that? correct. Okay, great. So my question is, what do you think would have happened? And, and, that, and, and then I'll say that kind of sky, is, as far as I can see, kind of skyrocketed your career you you've been in in his his band ever since and it's obviously mm-hmm. led to many many opportunities um but i'm i'm wondering what do you think would have happened if if Trey hadn't called that day cuz it seems like he could have easily just you know called another of the million horn players that he has access to and
1: sure um i don't know i saw myself i mean when we started the first time we started working together um I was seventeen and um still in high school and we did one little session together one day and I just thought <laughs> I just had this very clear thought like I'll probably never see this guy ever again. Mm. <laughs> and like this is like this weird piece of music and Dave Gripper was there at the session and I just thought like this dude is was just not how I saw myself aligning. Um,
0: what what do you mean by that? It's funny
1: how, well, I mean, just, I, I was like a, you know, like a jazz nerd and very much pictured myself and my career going in that direction of like playing trumpet in jazz festivals and jazz clubs and like having my own quintet. And like, that's where I saw my projected life going, um, which has nothing to do with Trey or what he does. So um I always sort of imagined my life going going that way. So I would say um if he hadn't called that day, that's probably what I would be doing.
0: Playing in a, in a jazz quintet of some kind and, and Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like yeah. not at all associated with that market that he's associated with.
0: But yeah, so but obviously then so so how how familiar were you with even that kind of scene?
1: Um, not at all. Not yeah. even a little bit. Um, you know, growing up in Vermont, obviously everybody knows Fish, um, sure. so I was very well aware of their presence. Uh, had never heard their music before. Had mm-hmm. never been to a show before. That's actually the first. After we made that record, uh, we made One Man's Trash, and then I was on Story of the Ghost, and then I moved to New York. I was 18. I moved to New York. And I went to one of their shows at Madison Square Garden um, on their New Year's run. And that was really the first concert I had been to that was even remotely like that. Like, I didn't know where to get my tickets. I grew up in the woods in Vermont. (laughs) Like, I didn't know what wheel call was. I didn't know how to get there. I didn't know where. I asked a cop. I remember going up to Madison Square Garden, having no idea what to do, and being like, if I have tickets from the band, where do I go? And they just looked at me like I was a total idiot.
0: Right. They're like, um, you don't have tickets from the band.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so I had they had given me two tickets to all four nights. The first night, I wasn't able to go. The second night, uh, the, the my friend that I was supposed to go with, his train got delayed and I bailed. And the third night, I just said, I'm going to go to this thing. And I went by myself uh, just because I felt bad that they had set aside all these tickets. And so I went by myself. <laughs> I was like, get out of here. I mean, obviously it sold out probably Saturday night. And, um, I mean, I, I like I said, I wasn't familiar with any of their material except for what was on Story of the Ghost, which they played a couple songs. I was like, oh, yeah, I know this one.
0: Yeah. Um, what year was this, 98 or?
1: Yeah, 98.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. And so uh, it was. it was a very interesting experience. I just thought, like, I know nothing about this. It's like looking around. And, and I I left at set break. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, cool. Bye.
0: Were were you put off by the scene of, you know, all the people and, and the 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 hippie dumb if for lack of no. a better word, or what was No, it? I
1: wasn't put off by it. Everybody was super nice to me, um, around me. I got offered a lot of weed, okay. um, which I didn't smoke. And uh no, everybody was super nice. I was. I asked. Re- I I remember asking some really dumb questions to the guy next to me. Like what? About like what songs they, like I don't know. I said something about like, so like do they play the songs from the record that they just released? And the guy looked at me like I was a. T- Old, old moron, <laughs> yeah. just like the cop outside. Like sure. I said, like I, I just had, I had no idea what I was in for. And now I understand that like, that's the noobest question anybody could have asked, you know?
0: Right. But right. at
1: the time I was 18 and had no idea about any of this.
0: So then that probably continued. I mean, when you, when you first started playing in Trayvon, I mean, it, it probably, there was a, a steep learning curve for you to kind of figure out yeah well exactly it was on a different going on. scale
1: though because the that first tour we did we did small theaters and that was a little more like that wasn't Madison Square Garden. Sure. Um that was like twenty five hundred people in a theater which I understood theaters. I didn't understand arenas. Right, <laughs> I understood right. theaters. Right. That, that made sense to me. I had been in theaters before like as a patron. Uh-huh um but yeah it was a, it was part of the interesting thing about it was that I was so young when I I joined up with him, that I didn't, I mean, I, all, I always appreciated him and appreciated um, the opportunity, and I loved the people in the band, and I loved getting to play for people every night who seemed to really enjoy it. That was a really beautiful thing, but I don't think I fully appreciated the magnitude of uh, the opportunity until much later, looking mm-hmm. back and saying, Man, I can't believe I was, you know, 19, 20 years old, getting to do that. Um, but at the time, it just felt so normal because that's what we were all doing.
0: We all meaning your, like the just people, that,
1: you know, the, that band. that yeah. band, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's what we were doing at the time. We were on the road, and it never really, you know, it didn't stop for many years. So,
0: at, at what point did you start? Was there uh, a time, a specific time when? things started happening where you're like, wow, that, that's kind of amazing that that all went down like it did because now this is happening and, you know, kind of. I think probably the during thoughts. the
1: break, <clears throat> I okay. think probably, um, when he was, uh, getting sober and we weren't touring, um, I think was probably the, the first time where I looked back and I was like, man, what a, what an, I mean, I always, I, I don't want to seem like I wasn't grateful for it cause I really, I was, but there's different, you know, being able to look back on stuff, you see it in a different way. Um, And I think probably the first time when we weren't playing, you know, we'd been together for playing for seven or eight years at that point and, um, or maybe a little less, but then you just, it's your life. And then all of a sudden it comes to a halt and you have no control over it. And I was like, wow, you just start appreciating it a little bit more. I think when it's ripped from you.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah that that's such an interesting time i feel like because when i was 18 19 20 um i you know i was in i was in music school at at, at uvm in burlington mm-hmm. and uh, it was such a formative formative time where i was really like finding who i was which yeah. uh, which i don't think i i yeah it, it was, you know developing relationships and 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 becoming more you know, in touch with who I was and myself more confident, all that growing exponentially as, as a musician, which, um, and I feel like that that's pretty common that, you know, those yeah. years can be pretty formative. so I'm wondering like how that went for you, because, you know, not only is this a new experience kind of being on the road with this, with this bigger band, um, but also just like that time in your life as a young woman, you're like finding out who you are in the context of, of being a touring musician all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. Um, and was that, was that challenging to navigate?
1: Um, I didn't find it challenging. I, I found, um, I found going to college the same, the same as you said. It's like, you know, you're figuring it out. It's the first time you've lived on your own. It's the first time that like you're making your own decisions and dealing with the consequences. And, you know, I got my first credit card and, you know, it's like all these things that, that we all go through. And I, even though mine was cut shorter than maybe some people's, um, you know, when, when I started going on the road, I, I, I also had a very, an incredible childhood and upbringing, um, and I think I was, I was pretty mature by the time I was, I was, a, I was, I don't know. I don't want to, everybody thinks they're mature or whatever, but I I think I, I was a little more mature than the average Joe, um, going into it. And I think Trey would probably tell you the same and, um, uh, but he, he's like, you know, I don't, I don't make it a habit of hiring 18 year old people to, be in my organization, right. he did it with me, he did it with Natalie years mm-hmm. later, mm-hmm. Um, which came with, um, you know, much recommendation and some scrutiny before he would ever do that. But um, but being on the road at that age, um, I, I had a pretty strong sense of self, um, and the the people in, in the band, you know, Grippo and Tony and Russ, and like, they were all so... They're all such good men, you know, mm. good people and good men and good role models and and good uncles. And they took took amazing care of me and they were protective of me. And and I really felt like they were family and they would never let anything happen to me. And I was always free to completely be myself. A hundred percent. And, I, you know, like I look back at those early years and just like coming out in like skirts that I made and like. <sighs> jeans and like a bandana I was like what the hell was I did you know what I mean but like at that time like that was my weird you know like we all go through it now I feel like it's so hard now for for kids who are 18 20 22 like with everything that's happening with social media like it's so gross like nobody's allowed to be imperfect anymore and and I really like it just hurts my guts that that's the case that like Anyway, but I see it with Natalie because Natalie is 11 years younger than I am. Um, and she, at 18, you know, n- knew so, – she she knew so much more than I knew when I was 18 and, like, knew how to, like, present herself and knew that she was a potential brand. And, like, it's really interesting mm. to me because, God, I did not ever think about that. and And I'm very thankful for that. I'm very thankful for an organization of people – uh, who let me completely be myself and and wouldn't want it any other way, um, and just sort of took care of me and were like, "You're you're enough, and we want you the way that you are," you know, a pretty pretty incredible thing.
0: Absolutely, yeah that 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 is incredible and and sounds uh, very very fortunate that yeah. had such supportive
1: yeah supportive bandmates and, and also to have a band leader who has less ego than anybody I've ever met. It's like the band is, is he's just a member in the band. He doesn't want to be looked at as the leader, the soloist, the whatever. He just wants to be like one seventh or one tenth or however the big, you know, however big the band is. Um, but when you, like I've played with plenty of bands in my time and not once have I ever shown up to a band And had the leader be like, this is about you and you and you and you. It's Mm -hmm. not about him. And however it comes across, like, that's the intent, is Mm -hmm. that, like, he wants everybody to have many, many, many moments to shine, not just like a 16-bar solo in one song. And that's something you really also, I've I've never found anywhere else,
0: ever. So. And do you feel like that? was instrumental in, in helping you find your own voice in those, those formative years as a musician?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, anytime anybody just expects you to show up and be uniquely yourself and praise you for it, uh, that gives you an incredible level of confidence.
0: Do you, uh, do you feel like that attitude has uh, rubbed off on you in how you lead your own band, the Jennifer Hartswick band?
1: Definitely. Definitely. I think you always want to surround yourself with people who are better than you, um, and I will always try to do that. Um, and you know, if we're arranging a song or if we're in the moment, you know, your your the idea when you're playing live music is to just say yes to everyone's idea. Yes. You know, if if Nikki starts. Going into you know a mambo in the middle of some you know whatever yes you go you go and you have the confidence in everybody that like if that's a if that's a moment that happened then you know you never say no you never I don't know what this is I'm not doing that Mm -hmm. never like let's create let's go It, it
0: it ties in to to like the the old you know the the rule in in theater. Improv, yeah. comedy improv, like the yes and. Like, yeah, yes you know, and. You accept yeah. the premise and then add mm-hmm. on to it. and Exactly. Yeah. Um, and how, so when's this, uh, I've, I've heard all this stuff about this record. Christian McBride is on it. One of your longtime heroes, who's mm-hmm. obviously needs no introduction. Um, <laughs> and, and Nick Casarino. Um, yeah. I, I'm not sure who else might be on the record um but when's it when's it coming out and is this yeah we
1: are there have been many shifts in um ideas with how to put it out um and I think the safest answer is early spring at the very latest um we've come I I was the early spring (laughs) we've run into a couple snags a couple scheduling things a couple you know like when you have that many people who are with those crazy schedules, it just, things come up and it, it gets hard to have a release date and have a tour around it. So early spring is the answer.
0: And is this, so, um, your 2013, I want to say, release, Ocean Floor, um, mm-hmm. was great record, um, and definitely a lot of, uh, soul and, and, and funk and R&B influence. I'm wondering, is this, uh... Depart from that musically. Um,
1: it might a little bit. Um, like the to me, like the pocket is still is deeper than ever. Um, it's slightly different vibe. It's I wouldn't say it's like a funk record or a soul record. Um, somebody described it like as if D'Angelo, Nora Jones, and Hayes Coyote had a baby.
0: Oh, I'll listen to that.
1: Which I really loved. I was like, oh, I wanna hear that. Yeah. Um so whatever that means, uh but I don't I don't disagree with that.
0: Cool. Cool. Yeah. Well, uh and then I know you have some um shows with your own band coming up and I see you're coming to the Sweetwater in Mill Valley um, yeah. in, in uh in September. Is are you gonna is that with who's gonna be in your band?
1: That's with the uh, the full Jennifer Hirschick band, so it'll be um, Nikki Glasby, Nick Casarino, nice. Desron Douglas, and Rob Marsher. Um, we are so looking forward to that.
0: Awesome, it'll be me really too. Fun. I'll, I'll be yeah, there. Yeah,
1: Labor Day weekend.
0: Yeah. Sweet. Great. So another thing I want to touch on um, is being a woman in an industry that is predominantly male dominated. And Mm -hmm. I listened to um, your interview on Inside Out with uh, Seth and Turner, and you were talking about people have pitched being in all-female bands to you, and and, and they were kind of talking about a a dream team, all-female band, and and you were kind of like, well... you know, that idea doesn't really appeal to me because it feels more like a novelty and I would never mm-hmm. want to do anything musically that, that has this n- novelty factor. And, and I, I appreciate that perspective. Mm-hmm. And, and you were kind of saying like, well, it doesn't matter, you know, if I'm a woman because I, I go to, I go to work just like everyone else. And, and, you know, I have to probably work harder to, to have the respect. And, and, but I, I guess where I'm going with this is, um, it should be like that. It doesn't matter, you know, Mm -hmm. but I feel like there is something uh, unique about, about being a woman in, in, in a a place where there's mostly men. And I feel like having more females on stage and in, in bands, like does kind of create a message both to young women and to men. And um, you know, so, and, and then to kind of tie it all in, just um, I just was speaking with um, Calmia Traver, you know Cal from Rebel Bucket. Uh huh.
1: Yeah. 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 And
0: and she she had actually recruited an all woman band to um, to play her newest record release for her new project, Cowbells, and mm-hmm. and she and she was kind of talking about it from a more uh, perspective of just like. Not novelty, but more like empower, You know, empowering. empowering. Yeah, yeah.
1: I see both sides of it, and I, uh, I, I, I really do. Um, I'm just saying, for me as a musician, it's not that I wouldn't go watch an all-girl band and be inspired by it. Um, it's just that as, as a musician, my, my heart, I don't, I don't feel like we should have to do that. Um, I feel like the more women are playing music, it's wonderful, and I realize that it it it's still it's still special. Like when you go see a band and, and you see women on stage who are not just singing, um, mm-hmm. you see a lot of people who are playing piano. You see a lot of, but there's not a lot of like sort of male dominated instruments like brass instruments and drums and stuff like that. There there are not a lot of women playing those instruments. Um, but for me, um, I still just sort of remain the same. It's not, it just doesn't appeal to me, um, to have an all girl band. Um, but it, and, and like I said before, it doesn't take it away from anybody else who wants to do that and wants to, um, you know, be empowered by that and show empowerment with that. Um, but I do still feel like, you know, I feel like me being in a band with a bunch of men or leading a bunch of men is Mm -hmm. empowering as well. Sure. You know, um, I don't feel like we we should have to have an all girl band for people to pay attention. Um, I feel like we can go out there and slay and people take notice and that's, that's all, I can do, you know, Mm -hmm. um, but I do feel like I've spent my whole life, uh, building a career and, and, um, sort of spent my whole life trying to prove that I'm not a novelty. Um, you know, I do work really hard at what I do and this is not an easy life. It's, uh, it's a lot, (laughs) so there's a lot of shit that happens behind the curtain, Um, And it's not, it's not easy. Um, So I totally understand both sides of it. And I think anytime you see uh, a woman doing sort of what is quote, a man's job is empowering. Um, But I don't necessarily feel like we all have to band together to show it. I think however it feels right to us is what we should do. Um, And I do think, you know, I know it's 2017. I know that it's still cool to see a, a, a you know a woman trombone player, a woman trumpet player, a woman sax player, what you know, whatever. Uh, you know, I think about like my grandmother who is now 88 years old. Like my grandmother when she was 19 was in an all-girl band. Wow! Like she played trumpet in an all-girl. That's cool. That's empowerment. <laughs> that's trend. You know, that's trend-setting and and blazing trails and you know what I mean like that's that was in like the you know the 30s and early 40s yeah
0: that's like hello
1: that's pretty badass you know that's cool to me um you know now 70 years later we we we, it should be (laughs) like let's get it together people
0: (laughs) but but you do I mean but do you do you ever think about like how you might be Seen as like a symbol of empowerment for young women, like is that something that that crosses? Yeah. Your mind? Okay. Yeah, sure. And you're comfortable I hope so. With that. Yeah. Okay.
1: I I I think that's amazing. Yeah. I feel honored to to be in that position.
0: Mm-hmm. So as you were saying, there's so much there's so much stuff that happens behind the scene. There's so much. I mean, you're you're constantly on the road. You're constantly mm-hmm. traveling. Um, you know, early mornings, early flights, all this stuff. How do you how do you keep your spirit up? How do you stay healthy? How do you how do you create uh, a, a balanced life for yourself in, in ways that are fulfilling so you don't run out of energy?
1: Um, first of all, I love what I do, um, and that's the most important thing. So if I had to do this job and wasn't completely invested and passionate about it, I would lose my mind. Um, but at the end of the day, it's all worth it. Um, all the, all the early mornings and late nights and not sleeping and thrusting yourself four times a week into the air, you know, 30,000 feet and expecting your body to totally handle it. And, yeah. you know, it's like we all ask a lot of our bodies and, um, and I think, um, I'm about to celebrate a birthday. Uh, you know, we're, I, I, feel great. I, uh, but the the older I get, and I don't mean to say that I'm old, but the older I get, the more I realize that like it's a little bit more important to chill uh mm. than it used to be. Mm-hmm. And whether that's an hour or a day or whatever my body tells me that I need, like I said this morning, like I slept until eight thirty. Right. <laughs> like I was re- I was really proud of myself. But apparently my body needed a full eight hours and not the normal like sometimes it can be four or six or whatever. Um, but I love what I do. I I am privileged to get to do this for a living. Um, and I think it's important to like, we all, if I'm working, if I have five shows this week, like I'll take a little time, I'll take a couple hours and or a couple hours in the morning where I don't turn on my computer. I don't, Like, nothing. I just sort of wake up, have coffee, try really hard not to check my phone, and, like, Mm -hmm. set my body for the day.
0: Um, Like, doing through what?
1: Just not being bombarded by things. Yeah. Quietness. Yeah.
0: Taking some time. (laughs) Um,
1: Yeah. Even if it's 15 minutes. Yeah. Making a cup of coffee. Don't turn on the TV. Don't check your phone. Don't, you know, just have that time to say okay what do i need to do today without being bombarded
0: by what
1: did i miss last night
0: yeah I or to or to check
1: instagram and... or
0: things you need to immediately respond to it, other people's yeah. requests yeah
1: yeah just just kind of you know have a moment where you set the intention for the day and then and then we can go deal with everything
0: mm-hmm. yeah we'll be on our phones the rest of the day <laughs> can wait yeah exactly yeah totally
1: yeah it can wait 15 more minutes
0: What are, um, I'm always, I'm always curious what some challenges are for people throughout their career. And, and I'm, and I'm happy to pose that question to you. And, and I'd also actually am interested in what, what are your biggest challenges these days? Because it seems like you have things pretty dialed in, um, as far as, as far as you, you're very established, you're incredibly skilled and, and amazing at what you do and you've You're connected beyond, you know, beyond most musicians' uh, dreams and, you know, constantly playing these excellent shows and big shows and collaborations, but is anything still hard for you?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Thank you, first of all, for your very kind words. Uh, Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, I think that the moment you become content is the moment you, you fail, so, like, we're always looking forward and looking, not that's, that's not to say that you're not happy where you are. Cause I think that's very important too. Mm-hmm. I'm very happy and grateful in my personal life. I'm married to a phenomenal Southern gentleman who, uh, you know, we're both in the same industry. He totally understands my life. I totally understand his life you know, on that level, we don't get to see each other that often. That's, you know, sometimes an issue that people might not think about Yeah. that, you know, living on the road is really hard when you have a spouse. Um, Mm -hmm. and so that's always something, but, um, also, you know, everyone wants to do projects that they're not doing. Um, I would love to, you know, I can't wait to tour with this new record. Um, but I think it's, you know, you have to be clear about what it is that you want. And so, um, I love doing what I do and all the collaborations that I do and, and all of that. But, um, there's also an interesting when I'm with Trey, I, we've been together so long and the band is always musically evolving, but for the most part, I know my role. I know that music we show up and we do a tour and it's like, it's, it's as close to being like cake as, as you can get, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, we're well taken care of everything. We know that everything, we don't have to worry about anything about music and that's exactly how he set it up. Mm-hmm. Like that's all very much on purpose. Yeah. Um, and then you go, when you're off the road with that, you know, there's, um, I might be learning somebody's entire catalog Every single week, if not more, I might learn it for a one-off and then mm-hmm. I fly. We might not get a rehearsal or we might get a rehearsal. And so it's, it can be, if the more you do of that, on the one hand, it's, it gets easier because your brain sort of functions in like crazy fast forward mode. And I got to shovel this information in there, but at the same time, it's exhausting. Um, and so you sort of have this. Oddly enough, that's a balance <laughs> of like the crazy exhausting stuff and being able to go on the road and completely feel comfortable. Um, so there's always these sort of like I, I think for the for the most part, I'm always doing something that I that I want to be doing. Um, but there are always challenges. Um and for me, I think, you know, the the thing that I, I'm looking forward to the most right now in this moment, right now today, is being able to tour my music with my new record in the spring, like that's what I'm looking forward to.
0: Yeah. Uh, do you have Do you have intentions beyond that with this band? Would you like it to see turn into something that you could do more of the year? Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I would. Yeah. I really love that. Yeah. Um, and you can always put all these like these buts always come up. Oh, but these guys are in other bands. But and I think it's uh, it's very human to do that. And I, I've sort of been trying to just set my intention that this is what I would like to do and that somehow it's all going to work out.
0: Do you, do you <laughs> think uh, I, I should, I'd certainly hope it does. Do you think that might involve having to say no more to other things? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Is yeah. that is that hard for you?
1: Um, it's getting easier.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's good.
1: I think the the more I'm out there and the more, um, confident I am in myself and knowing my own worth, I think that the easier it is to say no to things that just don't align with, uh, where I'm at right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll often do that thing you were talking about a second ago where I'll have to like learn you know, 12, 15 plus songs in like a day for a mm-hmm. one-off. And uh, I'm curious, what is, what is your process for, for learning a lot of material in a short amount of time?
1: Um, it kind of, it depends on the band. It depends on if they have charts, if they don't have charts. Um, some people are, are really, um, forward about that. They'll send you a whole book of charts and then it's just magical. Yeah. (laughs) I would agree. (laughs) Because I'll listen, I'll play along, you know, like I'll, I'll learn them well enough knowing that I can have the music in front of me. Yeah. Um, and then there's those ones where they just send you their last show and say, we're going to do these songs and learn it. Um, and that's a, just a different process. Um, I feel like that just uses different parts of my brain that, mm. that over the years have gotten pretty sharp, um, just from having to do it so often. Um, but you know, learning lyrics, it's all so sort of compartmentalized <laughs> different, different things. If I had to learn lyrics to a song, you know, I'll and I'm home, I'll put it on and I'll like walk around the house because somehow when I move it, it sticks better. (laughs) You know, it's like sitting there in front of the computer and trying to learn this line and learn these verses and whatever. It doesn't stick as well as if I'm using all parts of my body. So I'll like stomp around the house and learn it. (laughs) I don't know. Nice. There's, there's different, different, different things that I do,
0: but I do, is it ever just like, (laughs) Oh man, I get a, learn these 30 songs again like i'm so sick of this uh
1: yes <laughs> yeah. absolutely yeah, yeah. yes and,
0: yes but, it's, but like, it's, you know, it's a choice yeah you can show up and not know right. it. it's not an option it's it's your job
1: yeah like i would love to go to the lake today No. Nope. right right yeah
0: um did did you so this is this was a little unclear to me but um another thing i, I heard you talk about is some of those early tray band songs um Night Speaks to a Woman, Push On Till the Day, uh, mm-hmm. stuff from that record. D- did you co-write uh, some of those with Trey? You were kind of describing going to his house and, and having those songs come out of that. How did that How did that work?
1: Um, no, I didn't co-write them. That um, Most of those were, um, you know, Russ, Tony, and, and Trey. Um, but we when I came in that day, um, you're referring to the day that I left school and went to Trey's house? Yeah. Um, just an auspicious day that they had worked apparently it was like two weeks later We just that's crazy it was insane um yeah they had we were we were writing horn parts and singing horn parts to each other and you know i mean that was sort of more my role than like writing writing the song song but um yeah the, the way that we wrote those horn parts was all it was always different it was always you know somebody had an idea or Trey would sing some insane guitar line that's completely impossible to play on horns and we play it anyway. Mm. Um, there's a lot of that, you'll mm-hmm. notice. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know It's like, I can't tongue that fast, dude, you have a string and a pick. Yeah, and, and I have this huge tongue mm. and a tiny mouthpiece. Like <laughs> it's, it's just but you don't say no. You just figure it out. Yeah, uh, which is part of the fun challenge of being in that band. It's just like, oh, let's find a way to make it work. You just yes and you just say yes. Like, what idiots are playing, you know, Devil Went Down to Georgia and the Dire Straits to, you know, like what, what, who was doing, who's doing that twice as fast as it ever should have been played? And he's like, oh no, just play all those guitar parts on horns. Like, it's mental. I love it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Well, it seems like, it's, it seems like you have found a um a really great musical collaboration with him. Yeah. So and yes. all those guys. Yeah. So that's yeah that's fortunate. Absolutely. What what would you say to younger musicians coming up and earlier you referenced how it's kind of a different a different climate um now. Mm-hmm. You know, like you were talking about Natalie being aware that She's not only a musician, but also kind of building herself as as a brand, and mm-hmm. and I think I think maybe that is also just I don't know if anyone w- was was as aware of that you know twenty years ago than people are right. now because of how we right. use social media, um, right? And it could be, and as you were saying, it could be very easy to, you know, for me, it's like I want younger people to learn how to be really authentic and true to yeah. themselves yeah. and, and yeah. not get, I mean, use those tools, but not get lost in those tools.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, the, the, the fact of the matter is that you have, you have to work. You have to work. You have to work hard. You have to do stuff that nobody's doing that's authentically you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't color inside the lines. You don't walk the path that other people have walked. It's like we all have this thing that's in us that is unique to us that makes us special. And, and it's sometimes really hard to see that that's the beautiful thing and that's the thing that you follow, that inner spark. And, like, you know, I knew from such a young age that music was it for me. And luckily I had a family who always nurtured that and always, like, um, you know, we, li- nothing about my life right now on paper makes any sense. I grew up in a town of 400 people in the middle of the woods. Like, you know, there was no school buses. There were no, there was no was it, stop sign in our town There what, you know, like, but here I am, you know, like I got to play you know, for 18,000 people on New Year's Eve. I got, you know, like, oh, I'll have all these experiences. Madison but Madison Square Garden. Yeah, but add. it started yeah. with the fact that I had a, a, a gift that was nurtured when I was really young, and I was so sure that that's what I wanted to do. And so you just figure it out. You fall on your face, and you make a total ass of yourself. And you wear bandanas and skirts you made on stage. And you, you know what I mean? But like you, you keep working at it. And, and I feel like that it's a problem now. And I see it with like my best friend's kids my, the, that are nieces to me. I see that like because they don't know any differently, because they're so bombarded with social media and stuff like that, even at nine years old, mm. they're so afraid to make a mistake. And they're so afraid of like looking not – I'm talking about like little kids, you know, like six, seven, eight, nine years old who are like, like, oh, I don't like that picture. Oh, I'm going to filter my – like what the – are you kidding me? Like you're nine years old. Like there has to be some sort of like intervention where these kids can grow up to be who they're supposed to be and not who somebody down the street or some idiot on the other side of the computer tells them to be – like, I'm so fortunate to have grown up right before all this happened. Mm-hmm. And I think the the more you can, you know, nurture these kids, and whether it's high school, college, whatever, um, you know, I, my advice is to just completely block out what anybody else thinks about you, which is much harder than it used to be. But it's so important. Like, you are the answer to everything you're the answer to everything in your life you already know the answer you'll figure it out it's gonna be hard prepare yourself for not being perfect any of the time you'll have a couple of those days where you're like I look good I feel good I sound good but it's like it's a lot of struggle and figuring it out and the reward is so good that's all
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, that's 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 excellent. That's excellent advice. And, and you definitely are somebody to me who exudes that that concept yeah, that when, when I, I know s- it
1: because I lived it. You yeah, know? like I, I can say I can tell you that it works. Because the reason that I get hired is because I'm the only one of me. People know that when I show up, I'm going to show up prepared, I'm going to show up in a good mood. I'm gonna show up smiling. I'm gonna communicate with people on stage. I'm gonna love my my life. You know what I'm saying? It's like this infectious thing that only I know that I'm the only one who possesses this this thing that is me, and that's that's what it's all about. That thing in you that is uniquely you is so important.
0: I I, I completely agree, and and yeah. I feel like as as the years go on. I learned that more and more to be true every day. Yeah, which is which celebrate is celebrate
1: that shit, man. Because it would really suck
0: <laughs> if it was the other way around. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> if It'll the key really to success
0: miserable. was being somebody else, that would oh, be tough god. on people. Oh god. Yeah, and and what what, what do you think really c- cemented that for you? Besides having a nurturing family, was I mean? Did you just when you were eighteen? Did you already have that figured out, or? Yeah,
1: yeah, wow. I had it wow. figured out from a really young age that that because nobody ever told me any different.
0: Right. You know? Yeah. I you didn't receive just those myself. messages saying otherwise. No,
1: I didn't. I grew up in a, you know, I was like, had a tire swing in a field and like, you know, I would build bonfires and we would have performances on this little makeshift stage that we would invite people to. And we would write sketch comedy and we would put on concerts and like, like in the middle of the woods, man, like, like, I mean, like <laughs> 35 people would come and donate money. And, like, that's how we, like, when we were kids, like, that's how we made money. We didn't have jobs. Like, we built our own jobs. It was the best.
0: That's, that's yeah.
1: (laughs) But we had. Gotta
0: love Vermont, right?
1: yeah, Yeah, exactly. We had parents who were like, you should do that. What are you good at? That you could make money instead of go work at a gas station. What are you good at? Let's do that. And they would totally support it and they would help us in whatever way we could. And we put flyers up and we put it out in the newspaper and we, you know what I'm saying? It was like we, this, this is just what we did. We made our own way. We thought of ideas and we executed them. And we, you know, we essentially, we worked really hard. Yeah. We were doing it from such a young age and it was so fun because it was our calling. This is what we love to do. And I say, we meaning my brother and me, um, who now owns a comedy club in Burlington. It's the only comedy club in the history of Vermont. Wow. It's solely comedy. What's that called? And he's crushing it. It's called the Vermont Comedy Club. Nice. But because we, you know, wrote skits when we were seven and never stopped, like this is what he, this is where he is and this is where I am. Yeah. You know?
0: That's that's awesome. Speaking, speaking of working hard, what is what is your relationship with practicing these days? I, n- I know you're probably always having to learn music. clearly. Yeah. Um, or do you find time uh, on the regular to also do more traditional forms of
1: oh, God, artist? not as much as I should know. Yeah. And that's something I need to work on. Yeah. Um, that's one of those things that, that needs to occupy more time in my day. Um, but it does turn into like so many excuses. Why not to, because you're, you know, learning music or you're, you have to do this or you have to do that. But this really, um, I need to carve out a little more time in my day to, to make that happen.
0: Is that, is that noticeable for you when you're yes, it, absolutely. On, on stage? Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean the best, when I'm in my best trumpet shape, it's like, you know, mid trade tour is when we're all in our best shape because we, we usually do before we, we go on a big run, we'll have like a couple days of we call it boot camp, mm. where we'll have really long rehearsals, and you realize how out of shape you are. <laughs> yeah. And like, and then, but by the, you know, by the start of the tour, you're like, all right, cool. And we always say that if, like, if any of us is in the mood to like make a record, you gotta do it like right when you get off the road with Trey, because you're in the greatest shape. Right. Life. Right. Um. But yeah, I would. It's definitely noticeable. Um. I. That's something that I'm not satisfied with. So
0: I got to do better about that. Was that a, a bigger part of of your daily rituals, years and years earlier. past? Yeah, earlier. Yes, yeah, absolutely. When I wasn't yeah. so busy. Sure.
1: Yeah, but that's not an excuse. Like I have to do it to do my job as well as I want to be able to do it. So
0: sure, we all do. Um, I I know. Uh, I want to be aware of your time. If if we have time for one more question. Sure, um, that'd be great. Um, when so, I go to
1: practice, okay,
0: great. Awesome. Me too. Me too, actually. <laughs> good. Okay. Good. Um, yeah. Um, so you had, you had mentioned earlier, you had this, had in mind that you would be essentially a jazz musician, uh, playing mm-hmm. in a more traditional context before you got that call from Trey. Yeah. And was there, so then, but then obviously your life went a very different direction, Um, Yeah. Was there a a moment in time that you can pin or moments within a certain time that you kind of looked around at your surroundings and you were like, you know, maybe I don't need to be playing Autumn Leaves at a restaurant? Yeah. Like,
1: yeah. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's so, the music that I play now is so much more fun and so much more me, interestingly Mm -hmm. enough. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, jazz isn't always the most soulful music depending. I mean, it depends on who's playing it with you obviously, but, um, yeah, I, 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 I can't exactly pinpoint a moment other than it happens like all day, every day. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I love, you know, getting to play all kinds of music. And I think that when you're sort of in that like conservatory jazz thing that so many people are in, um, you you don't really give other music um, the respect that it deserves. Um, you know, if it's not s- like you know, crazy super fast swing and bop, it's nothing. You know, that's very I mean, a lot of people who think like that. Yeah. Um, and I was sort of falling into that trap um, of like really just playing straight ahead, you know, all day every day. Um, and, but there was always a part of me that loved soul singers. And I never did it, but I loved them. I never, I never played that kind of music or sang that kind of music, which is like now, now now that's hilarious to me. That's like almost exclusively what I do, but, Uh (laughs) um, but it was always in there. And I'm so grateful that, that we unleashed that. And it took a while to, you know, it took a while to get here. Um, it did not happen overnight. And, um, you know, it took me 10 years to even find, find out what my voice sounded like um, because I had done so much theater, I was always playing a role, um, playing a character and I probably didn't, I didn't figure out like what my actual voice sounded like. till I was probably like 25 years old. Mm. Um, and then once I figured it out, I was like, no, this, this is, this is who I am. Okay. Let's
0: work from here. So what would um, happen when you would sing before that? It was just some hesitation. I was always
1: singing with someone. So I was always morphing You know, if we were singing like uh, it makes no difference. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm gonna support him in what that sounds like. You know what I'm saying? It was like always a role. You're always supporting someone else and blending to them. Essentially, my job as a singer, as a backup singer, is to make the other person sound better. Mm -hmm. Right? That's what that's what we all do. Mm -hmm. So depending on who you're singing with would dictate how I sang. Um, And it really wasn't until you know, not that long ago in the grand scheme of things that like I started stepping out front and having to not be the backup singer, but this is like, you know, this is what I sound like, but it took me a long time.
0: Well, I'm, I'm really, I'm really glad you got where you are today. It's, it seems like you're in a beautiful place and and I really appreciate what you do and everything you bring to all, all, yeah, the, the music community and, and the world. And yeah, you're thanks so much. You're, you're really a good one. We're, we're lucky to have you. Um, <laughs> Thank you. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for your time. It's, it's been a pleasure yeah, speaking with you.
1: Yeah, you too.
0: Yeah.
1: All right, let's go practice.
0: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and there you have it. The one and only Jennifer Hartswick, as she so eloquently illustrated, truly the one and only. And I should mention that uh, directly after that conversation. Yes. I did go practice. I hope you did too, Jen. And if you want to know more uh, about practicing and, and how I approach it, I'm not sure it, you maybe missed it, but episode seven of this podcast, it's called Practice Less, Learn More, slightly deceptive title, but also makes sense. I get into my uh, my experience practicing and how I transformed my, my practice habits over the last two years to really streamline them and, and Right now, I'm, I'm very confident that I'm, uh, although I've always been a very consistent and disciplined practicer for the last 15 or so years, really only in the last couple of years can I say that, I, that I'm confident I'm, I'm having the most efficient and effective practices that I've ever had. And uh, I got a lot on my plate, so it really helps to, to have um, a, a better use of my time. So if you want to hear more about that, I illustrate my entire process Um, more or less in that podcast, episode seven. So check that out if you're into practicing an instrument or any sort of practice, I think it might be valuable. Anyway, thanks so much for coming again. Leave a review, reach out, let me know your feedback. Let me know who you want on the show, all that. I love to hear from you and keep tuning in. Tell your friends. I really appreciate all the support and we're just gonna keep rolling with this. So wherever you are, have a great weekend. Come say hi in Northern California. And don't forget to catch Jen Hartswick if you're in the Bay Area at the Sweetwater on September 3rd. I will be there. All right, everyone. Take care. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.